0: Well, thank you. Um, I am from Arkansas, by the way, and we invented Walmart. You're welcome. <laughs> and, uh, you know, growing up, I, I asked myself, uh, after I became a Christian at age 16, I was like, man, what is it that Christians do? Because I wanted to make sure that I was a good Christian. And, and, and as, I, as I walked around and looked at my Christian friends, I saw that every good Christian did three basic things. They all listened to Christian music, so I went out and I bought Amy Grant. They all uh, wore christian t shirts, and then they all put one of those fish ichthus things on the back of their car, so I put one on the front and back, never got a ticket. <laughs> I remember like I thought I, I that the, living the Christian life meant that you looked apart, act apart, and you dressed apart. So I wanted everything in my life to be Christianized. I go to college to be an elementary school teacher i 'm walking across campus my freshman year of college. this guy stops me. I've never seen him before, he says, what's your name? I said, Todd, he said, are you a Christian? I showed him my shirt, and I, 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 I remember like, he said to me, man, I'm starting a Bible study, would you like to play a part? And I was like, I mean, it's hard to say no to a Bible study when you're wearing a Christian T-shirt, you know? <laughs> yes, and so um, he's like, all right, it meets at six 30. and I was like, you yeah, I'll grab dinner early. He's like, no, the other 6.30. I'm like, what other 6.30? <laughs> um, I thought that was funny. And uh, (laughs) I I get to the Bible study, and he lays out this map of the world. And he says, pick a country and pray for it. And and I I started to get really nervous because I I hadn't prayed in public, let's not for the nations. And so I just said, I'll pray for America. He's like, man, pray for somewhere further away. I'm like, Mexico. He's like, no, pray for somewhere really far away. And I looked down at the middle of the map, and the largest country I saw in the middle of the map was Saudi Arabia. And so I began to pray for Saudi And after that prayer, he said, man, Todd, come back next week and tell me how many Muslims, how many mosques, how many Christians, how many churches are in Saudi Arabia. After seven weeks of researching this incredible country, I felt like God wanted me to move there, posing a problem, right? I'm like, Lord, I can't be a missionary. I didn't go to Bible school. I don't even wear Toms. Like, that's how far removed I am (laughs) from anything missional, you know? It's like, no, Lord, I don't want to strain my own water. I have a personality, parents who care, a degree, you know? I can't go overseas. I'm needed, (laughs) And um, I just I kind of realized, man, in that moment, God wasn't interested in me Christianizing my life. He was interested in me crucifying my life. He wasn't interested in me Christianizing my life. He was interested in me crucifying my life, and that's very difficult to do. It's very difficult to do, especially as a white Western, uh, as a a white wealthy Westerner. It's like, no, Lord, you know, I I want to I have safety. That's kind of my main concern. And wait a minute, Lord. How I raise my kids and where I live. And, and I just dealt with all of this. Am I going to say yes to God's story? Or am I going to build my own story? Am I going to say yes to, to God's story? And as I begin to look at scripture, I begin to realize, you know, the question is not where is missions. The question is where is it not? From Genesis to the maps in the back, you're going to realize that this book has one purpose. That God is on a mission to reach all peoples. That God is on a mission to reach all peoples. That's what you're going to see. That God blesses us to reach all peoples. It's not just for us. God blesses us to reach all peoples. And it starts in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 says this. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Genesis chapter 1, God says, Adam and Eve fill the earth. I want you to populate physically, but there are spiritual intentions. As the waters cover the earth, so the knowledge of me. Well, if you know the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, man sins. And later on, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 1, it says, every thought of man is evil. And so God floods the earth in chapter 7 and 8. One family steps off the ark in Genesis chapter 9. And it's a mere command. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, it says this. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, and here it is again, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth. Fill the earth. Fill the earth. The Lord wants the earth populated with worshipers of him. And so as I'm reading, I'm asking the question, does God get it? Does God get the earth filled? Genesis chapter 11. Now the whole earth. The whole world had one language and a common speech. It's very important right here. In Genesis chapter 11, everybody only spoke one language, English. And as people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and they settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and make them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Genesis chapter 11 Mankind says, no thanks, Lord. We want to make our name great, build our resume. So in verse 7 and 8, God comes down and he says, come, let us go down and confuse their language so they'll not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. Genesis chapter 11 is a pivotal point in our Bibles. In Genesis 11, all the languages we have today emerge This is where we get all the different languages, French, Mandarin, Spanish, rap. It all comes from right here in Genesis chapter 11. Now, how is God going to get his name to all these nations? It's one thing for me to fly to Papua New Guinea and learn the yeast language and translate just the New Testament's 14 years. Today, there's 6,912 languages. How is God going to get his name to all these peoples all over the earth? Genesis 1 through 11 is the introduction. All you have to do to where the, see where the plot begins is to turn the page to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, God looks down at humanity and picks one family, one man, Abram. And here's what he says. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and from your household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. I will, I will make you great. You'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever cursed you, I will curse. But Abram, here it is. All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Don't miss that. All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. God will repeat that about 1,600 more times in Scripture. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And then in Genesis 12, 4, Abram left. He went out as the Lord told him. When I look at Genesis 12, 1 through 4, I had no idea how important Genesis 12 was. I'd been a Christian for a decade before I realized how important Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 4 was. I had no idea how important Genesis 12, 1 through 4 was. Genesis 12. Because when you look at Genesis 12... You go, wait a minute, God's mission is birthed in Genesis 12. Genesis 12. God looks down, and from one man, Abram, it begins a domino effect that ricochets to us today. It goes from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph to Joshua to David to the prophets to the early church to us. But it begins in Genesis 12. I call Genesis 12 the Abrahamic Revolution. The Abrahamic revolution. What began with Abraham comes to us. Abraham, not just for you, it continues with your son. Isaac, Genesis 26, 4. Isaac, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and give them all these lands. And through your offspring, here it is again, all nations on earth will be blessed. Jacob, just like your son, and, 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 and his son, and just like your father and his father, guess what, your descendants, Jacob, will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south, why? Here it is again, and we're not even out of Genesis. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. A buddy of mine graduated from K-State University, and um, his name's Andrew, and I was like, Andrew, man, you're a college grad, give me like a great story in college. He's like, man, we didn't have much at K-State in Manhattan, Kansas, but we had our away football games. Man, it was so fun to road trip. He's like, one time me and uh, my five buddies, they text me and they're like, be out front in ten. I packed my bags and we drove 10 hours from Manhattan, Kansas to Dallas, Texas to watch our team play in an away football game. He said, man, when we got to Dallas, my friend popped the trunk and threw eight cans of Home Depot purple wall paint in our feet and said, men, suit up. You want us to paint our bodies purple? We could die of skin poisoning. But we all knew it was worth it. (laughs) He said, Todd, do you know what the six of us painted on our chest? What word? I was like, what? Hey, Mom. Hi, ESPN. You know, what the six of you guys paint on your chest? He said, the six of us painted on our chest one word. Family. Like, family? Why Family. He's like, well, as a freshman at K-State University, they say, you're not a student, you're a part of a family. The football stadium at K-State University is called Family Stadium. He said, Todd, third quarter, one minute left, something happened. I said, what? He said, we're down by 41. (laughs) He's like, I'm banging in the bleachers, I'm screaming at the refs, and then I have this epiphany. He says, I realize I'm in desperate need of exercise and our team's in desperate need of rest, but I can't get in the game because I'm painted in purple with an F on my chest wearing a kilt. I'm like, Andrew, you have just succinctly summarized American Christianity. We're in the family, but we're not in the game. We're believers, we're going to heaven, We don't celebrate Halloween, but we're not engaged in the game. It's like, no thanks, Lord. When it comes to missions, that's not for me. I don't want to reach my neighbors. I don't want to cross an ocean. I don't even want to cross the street. We applaud, and we're for it, and we hope it happens, and we hope it goes well. But we're not involved. When you continue throughout Scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 4, all of these passages, God is inviting us To join him. Moses says this. I have taught you these decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me. So that you may follow them in the land you're entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully. Why? For the nations are watching. This will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations. Who will hear about these decrees and say surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Or what about this one? Pharaoh. Why did God raise up Pharaoh? In Exodus chapter 9. I have raised you up. For this very purpose, Pharaoh, that I might show you my power, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. I I want Israel out of Egypt, but I want you to know for the rest of the world that all nations will hear about this. What about Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 10? King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom that God had put in his heart. Over and over again, the queen of Sheba travels 1,600 miles, right, to hear from Solomon. And he says, fear the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out of the fiery furnace. In Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar, this pagan king, writes a letter. And look at who he addresses it to. Daniel 4, to the nations, peoples, peoples. Of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has done for me. How great are His signs, how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation over and over and over again. You almost have to purposely miss it. Over and over and over again. I, I don't, uh, they have these in Arkansas. I don't know if they have them here. They're called Christian bookstores. And um, in Arkansas, they're like the size of Target, except you have to be a Christian to go in. And uh, I remember, my, my, my wife and I on date nights, we love walking around Christian bookstores because we're lame. And so here we are, we, 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 you can get some awesome stuff at Christian bookstores. You can get Christian plants. You know, I don't laugh at you. You can get Christian plants, you can get Christian printers, they just print better. You can get Christian paper, it's just whiter than the Office Depot paper. You can get Jesus bobblehead figurines, you can get mints that help you memorize verses better. I don't even read the Bible anymore, I just eat these, eat these mints. And, um, and I remember we were walking, and we, I, I saw this Christian picture, and I was like, oh my goodness. I told my wife, I'm like, babe, skis, I need this p- picture, you know, I need this. And... Um, and she's like, why? I was like, look at it. <laughs> I mean, it was awesome. It had like a, 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 a river, fisherman, tackle box, deer, sun rising, and like a 98 gold calligraphy font. It said, be still and know that I am God, dot, dot, dot. And I was like, oh, I want that. And I love that verse. I've seen that verse my whole life. I've seen it, you know, crocheted on tea towels and embroidered on bowling balls. I've seen that verse all over. <laughs> you can be preaching at a church of five thousand and say, "Finish this verse. Be still and." And everybody's like, "No, that I am God." And we're like, ah. but I guess I, I guess because of the size of the font, I noticed that right after "Be still, know that I am God," there was a dot dot dot, which I'm like, wow. I'm a third grade teacher. I'm highly trained in the dot, dot, dot. I'm like, the dot, dot, dot means, hey, second half's not for you. Don't worry about it. Not a big deal. And so I'm sitting there going, man, how bad is the second half of Psalm 4610 that I've never heard it? I mean, what's it say? Be still and know that I am God and Judas found a rope and hung himself. I mean, how bad is the second half that nobody's ever heard of it? So I went to the Bible section, got a Bible, and I'm like, I'm going to find out what Psalm 46.10 says. I'm like, where is it? Why is Psalm 46.10? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. That's the whole verse. Verse. Be still and know that I am God, I will be exalted among the nations, I'll be exalted in the earth. But what do I do? The first half, that's a promise for me. The second half is a command for you. And I take my Bible and I chop it up and I ask the question as I read it, where am I, where am I, where am I? And I highlight, underline, and memorize what I like. I told my wife, I'm like, Jess, I just need an intervention. I got a yellow highlighter, a new Bible, and started in Genesis chapter 1. I took the next four months and I read the entire Bible. And any time there was a verse that had the words either all peoples, nations, earth, tribes, tongues, languages, I highlighted that. That's all I looked for for four months from Genesis to Revelation. All peoples, nations, earth, tribes, tongues, languages. 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 languages. All peoples, nations, earth, tribes, tongues, languages. And when I got to the end, it took me three highlighters. Not because I left the cap off. But because there's that many verses. So now when someone's like, Why are you moving your family to the Middle East? I say, Why are you not? (laughs) And then I slap them. We're still in the Old Testament. Isaiah forty nine six. It's too small a thing. It's too small a thing for you to be my servant, restore the tribes of Jacob, and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I'll make you a light for the nations, or Gentiles, that you might bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Jeremiah sixteen nineteen. O Lord, my strength. O Lord, my strength. My fortress, my refuge in time of distress. To you, the nations will come from the ends of the earth and say, Our ancestors possessed nothing but false gods, worthless idols did them no good. Zephaniah 2.11, the Lord will be awesome to them when he destroys all the gods of the earth. Distant nations will bow down to him, all of them in their own land. Malachi 1.11, my name will be great among the nations, from where the sun rises to where it sets, in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name. Why? Because my name will be great among the nations. There it is again, over and over and over again. Do you see it? Do you have the eyes to see or are we so self-absorbed, high maintenance that we don't see it and we don't want to see it? As mentioned, my wife and I, we traveled uh, for seven years. We got in a van. We didn't get out. That's okay. We lived down by the river. But basically for seven years, we, we lived in a van and um, we visited 622 college campuses challenging Christian college students to give five years of their life after they graduate to the Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, Chinese, and tribal world. And we were on this one campus. We weren't speaking on the campus, but I'd heard so much about the campus that I wanted to to, uh, see the campus. And so here we are. We're walking across the campus, and the campus minister stops me and he says, hey, you know, you noticed we weren't college students. He's like, can I give you a tour? We were just like, yeah. He's like, well, you're welcome to be my guest at chapel. I'm like, oh, you guys have chapel. He said, yeah, we have chapel. It starts at 11. And uh, I'm like, yeah, we'd love to go. He said, well, we have to get over there 45 minutes earlier. You don't get a seat. I said, oh, it's not an, I mean, it's, it's, it's mandatory. Like the students have to go and swipe their ID cards, like spiritual formation. He's like, no, no, no. Our chapel's always been optional. I'm like, well, how many people go? He said, 5,000. I'm like, 5,000 students go to an optional chapel that meets in the basketball arena. And so here we are. We, we get there. We have to sit in the nosebleed section. And, 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 and the, the speaker gets up, opens the Bible to Ephesians, and starts challenging the audience to be global with their degree. Everybody around me is taking notes. I'm feeling very unspiritual, so I grab a pen and fake it. We close in prayer. We leave, the campus minister's like, what'd you think? I was like, that was incredible. 5,000 people to optional chapel, everybody taking notes, a challenging message to be global with your degree. He's like, if you think that's crazy, 62% of this entire campus will find themselves overseas two years after they graduate. I'm like, 62% of this entire campus will find themselves overseas? I was bummed, because we were at Brigham Young University, the headquarters of Mormonism. See, if you're a Mormon college student and you graduate from BYU in Provo, Utah and you meander back to Salt Lake City and you say, Mom, Dad, I don't want to be a missionary to North Africa taking the teachings of Joseph Smith. Instead, I want to stay here, pad my resume, pay off my debt and get engaged to this girl. Your mother and father will say to you, young man, sit down. You have a general obligation. It's not a choice. You have a general obligation to take the teachings of Joseph Smith to North Africa If you're a Christian college student You graduate from UCLA And you go back home And you say mom dad I, I, I went to college with my agenda But I left with God's And I, I, I need to move to North Africa For two years Learn Arabic and take the gospel Your Christian mother and father Will say to you Young man sit down No way Not you Not now Mormons give two years, Christians give excuses. Mormons give two years, Christians give excuses. And I got nailed with this. I got nailed with this myself. Because I remember after seven years, 622 campuses, we pull back to Fayetteville, Arkansas, we have a little girl, Camden, and my wife, you know, before we put Camden to bed, we pray for her, and and my wife prays first, and i married Miss Intensity Okay, I mean, she is intense. She lays her hand on the crib and she's like, Father, I pray that you would stamp eternity on Camden's eyes. I pray that she would be a long-term cross-cultural missionary to the Muslims in North Africa. I pray that she would learn Arabic at a young age and she would realize she's the hope of the 500 million women trapped behind the veil of Islam. And I pray you'd give her the opportunity and the privilege of dying a martyr and being buried in Libya. I'm like, I'll pray next. Get behind me, Satan. (laughs) Father, I pray she loves me and Chick-fil-A, that she she marries a man who loves me and golf, that they have problems right away with with their in-laws so that we would get her for Thanksgiving and Christmas. (laughs) And my wife's like, Todd, what are you doing? And I said, Jess, I spent seven years recruiting other people's kids so ours don't have to go. (laughs) And I'm okay with that. But what happens, the more God blesses us, the more we're like, oh my goodness, a savings account. Oh my goodness, safety. Oh my goodness, children. Oh my goodness, a great job. Oh my goodness. You know, and what happens? We forget, God's on a mission to reach all peoples and we play a vital part of that. Matthew 24, the disciples ask Jesus a question. They say this, Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus answers him in verse 14. You know what he's going to say. He's going to go back to Genesis 12. Remember what I said to Abram. That all peoples on earth will be blessed. Well, when this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. I have not changed since Genesis 12. The Abrahamic revolution continues. And then... Jesus gives his disciples five great commissions. There's not one great commission, that's a missions myth. There are five great commission texts. The first great commission text is found in Matthew 28 18 and 19. Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples. This is about the depth. Don't just make converts. Make disciples. The second Great Commission text is found in Mark 16, 15. Mark 16, 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. This is about breadth, breadth. The first Great Commission text is about depth. Make disciples. The second Great Commission text is about breadth. Go and preach this thing to all creation. The third Great Commission text can be found in Luke 24, 46, and 47. He told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name, here it is again, to all nations. The fourth Great Commission text can be found in John twenty twenty Forty times in the book of John, Jesus is known as the sent one. On the 41st time, he says this, peace be with you, as the Father sent me, I am now sending you. That means if you're a believer in here with a pulse, the question is not, am I sent, but it's to where? We're all sent ones. Some will go further geographically than others. Some are gonna cross an ocean. Others are gonna cross a street. But we're all sent ones. The fifth great commission text is Acts chapter one, verse eight. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem Judea, some area, and to the ends of the earth. Why five great commissions? Why five? Matthew 28, Mark 16, 15, Luke 24, John 2021, Acts 1, 8. Why five? Because Jesus knows our tendency is to say, thank you, Lord, for letting me in the family, but that's as far as it goes. And he wants to be crystal clear. I think that's why in Romans 15, the apostle Paul says this, It's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. Why? So that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. I have a Bible study at the University of Arkansas. And uh, every semester I like to interview any students, any of the guys, students who want in. I was meeting with this guy, Tanner. And I was like, Tanner, man, tell me about yourself. Tell me about what makes you unique. Tell me about, you know, your life in high school. He's like, well, in high school I was kind of a big deal. And I was like, in high school, you were a big deal? He's like, yeah. I'm like, why? He's like, well, I founded the Rubik's Cube Club. I'm like, you didn't date much, did you? (laughs) He said, how'd you know? I said, I have the gift of discernment, you know? (laughs) And I was like, how do you get in the Rubik's Cube Club? He's like, to get in the Rubik's Cube Club, you have to solve the Rubik's Cube in less than a minute. I'm like, is that possible? He's like, the, the world record's 4.9 seconds. I was like, oh my goodness. And, uh, and so he, he sa- I said, you gotta teach me how to do this. you ever teach people? He's like, man, in high school, this one guy every day, Tanner, teach me the Rubik's Cube. Tanner, teach me the Rubik's Cube. Tanner, I don't have life purpose. Teach me the Rubik's Cube. And so finally Tanner was like, all right, bring me a brand new Rubik's Cube in the box tomorrow to the cafeteria, and I'll teach you to solve the Rubik's Cube. He's like, the guy couldn't sleep all night. So finally, the guy gets to the cafeteria. He slides the box across to Tanner. Tanner grabs the box, opens the box, takes out the Rubik's Cube, pulls out the directions, slides the directions across, and says, the secret to understanding the Rubik's Cube is to read and follow the instructions. I said, it has instructions? He's like, nobody ever reads and follows all the instructions. They just try to wing it. And as he was telling me that, I was like, that's so true. God says, if you want to get your life lined up correctly, read and follow all the instructions, not just the parts you like. But what happens? We're content to just be like, oh, I'm going to wing it. And so it's like, oh, man, we get one side of our life lined up, right? Man, I know who I'm supposed to marry. I don't have a job. (laughs) Man, I know where I'm supposed to live, but I don't have a purpose. And God invites us, read and follow all the instructions. And you will begin to see where he wants you. Genesis chapter 1 through 11 is the introduction of scripture. Genesis chapter 12 with Abram all the way to Jude is the plot. God's mission is to reach all peoples. And the conclusion is found in Revelation 5.9. Revelation 5.9. They sang a song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God peoples from every tribe, language, people, and nation. What began at the Tower of Babel is completed at the throne of God. One book, one purpose, are you on board? Are you on board? Unfortunately, that's not what the world looks like, Revelation 5-9, right now. Here's a map called the 1040 window. The 1040 window is 10 degrees up from the equator, 40 degrees up, and it stretches clear across to Asia. In this box are 62 countries. Every major world religion was birthed in this box. And 88% of the people who are currently breathing in this box will live and die and never meet a Christian. And God is inviting us to go pray and give towards the box. This church is launching a love Europe. You know where a lot of these refugees are, are ending up? In Europe. I mean, there are so many Muslims in France. I have so many friends going to France to, to reach Muslims. And, and, and this whole love of Europe, I want to encourage you, go out to the plaza. Go out to the plaza after service, and I want you to think about praying for love of Europe. Adopting some, adopting some stuff from your love of Europe. Going. To see what God's doing with the Muslim, Buddhist, Hindus, Chinese, and tribal world all throughout Europe. Would you be a part of what God wants you to be a part of? What an incredible opportunity we have. When I first met my wife, Jessica, I wanted to take her to the spot that would determine whether or not you were to get married, Starbucks. (laughs) And so I go into Starbucks and as a spiritual leader in the relationship, I ordered first. And I order my usual. I get it every time. Non-fat, no foam, sugar-free hazelnut latte, room temperature, double cup with no lid, side of ice. And, um, <laughs> and uh, she went up to order, and I'll never forget what she said. She said, what's a, what's a Grandy? <laughs> I said, what? She's like, what's a Grandy? I'm like, you've never been to Starbucks? She's like, no. I'm like, how is that even physiologically possible? (laughs) Like, it's to be American, right? You go to Starbucks. Like, who are you? She ordered a water. Uh, They give it to you in that little sippy cup, you know, and so we sit down and and I looked across the table and, and I said, Jessica, coffee drinkers date coffee drinkers. I said, I don't want to be like 75 years old on my back porch and I'm having a cup of coffee and I look over at your smoothie. Like there's just something weird about that. So I said, if you want this relationship to continue, would you come towards me in this? And she's like, I'll try. And so we go back to Starbucks and she orders a hot chocolate. And I didn't rebuke her, I just let it go. We go back to Starbucks, she orders a half hot chocolate, half coffee. We go back to Starbucks, she ordered a coffee with 17 sweet and We go back to Starbucks, she orders a coffee with five sweet and We go back to Starbucks, and she looked at me and said, Todd, will you get me a venti black? And I'm like, yes, Lord, you reign. You are good. You are a good, good father, you know? And I tell you that story because there is something that naturally happens when you fall in love with someone. When you fall in love with someone, You naturally gravitate towards the things that they love. So for Jessica, she didn't have the Starbucks app, she wasn't a gold card member. I wept, but you know what? The more she fell in love with me, the more she fell in love with the things that I loved. And I honestly, I did the same with her. Before I got married, I thought Bed Bath and Beyond was a hotel. (laughs) Now I go to the mall and I'm genuinely excited about Bath and Body Works because they have Japanese cherry blossom samples. I'm like, this is awesome. (laughs) I'm on Pinterest. I mean, weird things happen when you fall in love with people, right? And so I hear this all the time, you know, believers of Christ saying, oh, man, I don't have a heart for the world. I don't want to go to India. Missions isn't for me. And I'm like, what do you mean it isn't for you? Who cares about you? <laughs> right? All right well, since when did you become an issue? Uh, of course you don't have a heart for the world. But you know what? God does. And if God has a heart for the world, do you love God? Why, yes. Well, then fall in love with the things that he loves. Fall in love with the things that he loves. You might not pray for Haiti or, 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 or desire to reach out to the, to the nations on your own street, but God does. And as you fall in love with him, you realize your heart begins to break for the things that break his. Is that enough? God has a heart for the world. Is that a big enough reason to let it be your heart? And so, Father, we just, we just pray that that would become our heart. That we would say no to just self-absorption in, in all of its forms. Lord, and so difficult, but we want to say yes to you. I pray that you give us eyes to see as we read your scriptures that you would show us, indeed, you're on a mission to reach all peoples. Amen.